Petersfield's Shine Radio. Well, hello and thanks for joining us on our garden podcast, Growing Together. I'm Claire Venice. And I'm Anne-Marie Powell. And I can't quite believe that a month has gone by already, Anne-Marie, since we last met in your gorgeous garden to talk about September. And now here we are talking about gardening in October. It goes quick, doesn't it? It has gone really fast. And at this time of the year, it's going super duper fast, Claire, isn't it? I do feel like the clock is ticking <laughs> on the nice... We've had such... I mean, we had such lovely weather in the middle of September, didn't we? And, um, you know, turns to autumn now. And, and yeah. there's some lovely things to be you know, to be seen in autumn and your garden with the colour of some lovely oranges in your garden at the moment. Yeah. That's what I love about October. Yeah, only until the frost gets them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Long may that stay away. I agree, I agree. <laughs> stay away, Jack. Go and knock on someone else's door. So. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it is fabulous, I agree. So, and um, it is a change in the seasons, isn't it? So, and, and that's something really wonderful, I think, to embrace because... I don't know if you've noticed, but I've ripped out loads of stuff. And it's amazing, once you start, you just can't stop. Well, that's interesting you should say that, because I was going to ask you, you know, how in September, October time, I start to think about, you know, what worked in my garden, what didn't work in my garden, what I like to see in my garden, and what I didn't like to see, and, and what I do differently next year. There's a real sort of transitional time, I think, in October, where things are dying back, you're cutting back things, and you can see how you would like your garden to look next year i keep on tripping over loads of canes that i put in plants that have grown too big or i need to cut them back or dig them up it's just it's lethal actually so what i do is all the way through the summer i've got lots of regersia down there which is a big sort of horse chestnut leaf that comes from the ground it's not a horse chestnut just looks like one and it is quite rampant and it's been there for oh goodness eight nine ten years so starting to take over a bit so all the way through the summer I've just been sticking bamboo canes so to just remind myself when it dies back that I need to remove those sections otherwise next year it's going to be nothing else but with just you're in the border so and there's just loads of things that I just kind of just markers just to make sure that I don't forget because it's so blooming easy to forget what you've been seeing through the summer and where you need to make those changes and it's planting season it's the time to make those changes right now yeah yeah, well, I've put a few bulbs in, a few pots, and I'm thinking about what else, you know, I want to put in. And it's an interesting thing because I sometimes I, f- I forget every year where I put the bulbs and then I go and bung a few more in and then I accidentally dig bulbs up that were there from last year or, or whatever. Or so, chop them in half. Yeah, or chop them in half, absolutely. So I, I, every year I think, oh, I need to take photos, and I don't, but I probably should, so I remember where they are it's a super idea actually that but do you know i just think i just keep laying them up because tulips for example they don't some of them do but not very many perennially come back and the squirrels like yeah. to have a good chomp on them as well yeah, so they do in my garden. i kind of tend to use bulbs as annuals i really oh, okay. do so there's some things that reliably come back like the daffs um i grow a lot of hawa and talia here but um, I just, it's a good shopping opportunity. Naughty spends. They're cheap as chips. I just buy some more. It's good, it's good to kind of experiment every year, I think, and just make those changes. Who wants spring to look the same year on year? Not me. 
Well, I saw some of those lovely orange crocus bulbs you talked about that you have in your front garden. And I thought, oh, I might try those because to have that flash of colour when everything is so grey and miserable at the beginning of the year is is, is a lovely idea. Yeah, absolutely. I've got got loads and loads of tulips coming. I mean, as we said last time, we don't plant those until November. Mm -hmm. And my bulbs are yet to arrive. And frankly, I'm quite pleased with that. So (laughs) it is tempting. Oh, well, it's tempting. And also it's a lot of work. I mean, I tend to plant in the hundreds, which is probably a, a lot for some people but the more bulbs that you can kind of afford and you think your knees will stand that is the, the better effect you will have because I just consider them bulbs are like the sleeping beauties of the garden so you tuck them snugly into their beds now and with the magic kiss of spring they kind of wake up and just they're so gloriously beautiful for us aren't they yeah. So, uh, yeah, and what do you pay for them? Like 15, 20p, 30p a bulb? Yeah. I think we can afford to go mad. I mean, when you go to the garden centres, you know, and, and pay whatever you pay for one plant, the amount of joy you get earlier on, the amount of joy it gives to wildlife that, you know, you can cut them for the house, what's better? And actually there are a lot of deals on, aren't there, at garden centres, so yeah. you can buy maybe three for the price of two yeah. or something like that. So yeah. it is worth looking and shopping around. It's like a yeah. sweet shop, isn't yeah. it? It's literally <laughs> like the jars. In, you've got those paper bags and you just go in and just collect what you need. It's like a pick and mix. Yes, it is. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I just think it's yeah. brilliant. It's good sales technique, isn't it? It is. It's very enticing, <laughs> especially when they put the photographs next yeah. to them as well. But you shouldn't forget yeah. about online as well. There's some brilliant bulb suppliers. So mm. And that's and they actually, a lot of them will actually do these ready-made mixes for you so if you feel a bit worried about you know getting your colors wrong and regretting what you've bought and there are loads of people that do like sort of continental chocolate boxes they're mm. just already there so that you can just pop them in the ground or in your pot as you were saying in the lasagna mm. and um and then you can just take the credit for the beautiful displays that you will get <laughs> do you tend to go for the same color of tulip or do you like to I like to an array look, of different different colours. I like to mix it up. Mm. So you know, I tone them. So, but I'll go for opposite ends of the spectrum. I really like green um, uh, flowers at the front. So green, not white but cream so they're just a little bit less eye popping than the pure white so because the front is shader and it just gives that sort of freshness but um, in the back oh my god colour is king so you know I want to know that I've planted some fiery tulips it gives me the fire you know So, so yeah and I like to mix it up and I'll always look and I've been doing designing for 25 years, Claire. So I always will look at the new varieties that have been launched. So, um, and online, all of the major bulb suppliers, and for which there are many, shall I tell you a few? Yes, so, do. So, you know, Love there's the top P- tips. Peter Nissen that I buy from. There's Jacques Armand. There's Farmer Gracie. She's really good. So Sarah Raven's mm. Garden. There are tons of them. Thompson & Morgan, all of those guys, they do um, bulbs. Um, but I'd like to go for the bulb specialist really so those are the people that are growing them and that's all they do so you know that you're going to get good quality so but they always are getting new introductions in from Holland or Mm. some they've bred for themselves and that's exciting for me just to have something different something that nobody else has got 
Well, you can try it out each year, can't you, I suppose, then? Because if they introduce new ones every year, then it's, it's fun to try yeah. those things out. Yeah, and, and they're always getting bigger and brighter and more beautiful, or someone will tell you about something that you really want to try, and we've seen it on Instagram or whatever. Mm. It's exciting, but some of them are revolting, too. <laughs> you, have to, you know what you like and you stick to it. So <laughs> Yeah, remember, it's that same thing, isn't it? What worked in the garden this year and what didn't work in the garden I don't like year. red tulips. I'm not a fan of red tulips, and that's the traditional colour, isn't it? It so. is, yeah. It's quite a strong colour to have in, in May, though, as well, yeah. isn't it? I think when everything's sort of soft and just coming yeah. coming out and you've got these lovely greens on the trees and everything, mm. it, to have something as brash as that, I agree with you, actually. I'd, I'd rather go for, for different colours. What I am red. looking forward to is the little iris reticulatas. So I'm thinking about containers, and, you know, not everybody has got space to plant hundreds of bulbs. So mm. if you haven't got space, there's nothing nicer than just planting smaller bulbs like iris reticulata um, some of the smaller crocuses as you say liriopes as well mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. they can look really the muscari um, hyacinths yeah, they can look really really pretty with their intense blues so you know they don't have to be big and brash so long as you use lots of them mm. in a pot mm. and they can look fab on your table well it's funny i've just um planted some snowdrop uh bulbs in a couple of little pots that are on my tables outside yeah um so I, whether they'll stay there or not i might have to move them into the actual Squirrels garden might well them. yeah that's it that's true <laughs> about that. but i'm looking forward to seeing those snowdrops popping up just gives you hope that's yeah, what i think and we need absolutely. hope right now don't we yeah. so you're yeah. just planting a promise for the future and there could be nothing better than these tiny little bulbs going into the ground and just popping up and just being the most spectacular display to look forward to in spring i love them i love them too <laughs> i've actually bought some alliums as well i'm looking forward oh. to, to um having some big pom-pom alliums in the garden which ones have you gone I for you're gonna ask me that <laughs> i've gone for i think it's it's um it globe master yeah they are they're they're the big ones the, the big really purple huge ones, ones yeah. yeah which i'm really looking forward to to seeing yeah. i have had a few in the garden before but i didn't plant enough and i loved seeing it but actually I've gone, I've gone and bought quite a few actually because yeah. I thought I'll just yeah, have no, those I've, I've, I bobbing around. Them. But again, they're not always reliable. So, I mean, I've got up here, I always, I will plant purple rain again. And mm. I planted those last exactly. year, the alliums. They're amazing. They're a cross between Christophii and, and Purple Sensation, um, which are the original parent plants. But these are stunning colour, just gorgeously purple. And, um, and I've probably got, my bed's here how wide are they so they're about 80 centimeters wide mm. and maybe four meters each long mm. so and i've got 100 of those coming have you yeah because oh, they're 15 each bed just imagine the impact that you'll get yeah they'll look lovely so, but there's loads of different alliums i mean i've ordered forelock as well which is a really kind of crazy one so and that will go down the side of oh, the garden i don't know so that one okay i grew 10 of them this year just to trial them because i'd seen them in books and um online and just thought don't know if I like them. They might be too weird, mm. but I loved them. So, okay. and that's and that's something I think that I would recommend to people is if you're not sure, just buy a handful, just buy four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever you need, depending on the size of the bulb. You can always top them up next year if you've fallen in love. Mm. So, and then spherocephalum. Do you know that? No, I don't know that. So that's a tiny weeny allium bulb. 
really super small, but it grows up on this kind of huge great stalk, which will reach to about 1.2 metres. And they have these tiny little drum heads of <sighs> deepest purple. And wow. literally, because they're so small, you can get them in really quickly, so into the ground, but you do need hundreds of them yeah, for them bet, to make yeah. the impact. But they're quite quick to plant. And once you've got it, if you thread them through some of your latest uh, flowering grasses or your later flowering herbaceous, they look divine. They're like little drifting little accent marks, punctuated pom poms, yeah. just like kind of gliding through the air. Almost held on silks, you know? So really oh, wonderful. Great tip. Oh, look into yeah. those. That so yeah, Allium sparocephalon. Okay. Blooming Latin. Yeah. It's good because we need it to distinguish between the plants because lots of common names, they, they run over a range of plants. Mm. But yeah, sometimes I do feel like I need to put my teeth back in. Yeah. <laughs> you said it very well. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, last month yeah. in, in September, we spoke about sweet peas and mm. sweet pea seeds mm. and I've, I've actually collected a load because I have two sweet pea plants um, and one of them has sort of died back in, in a different part of the garden and already the seed pods had dried so I collected them and another one actually funny enough is still flowering beautifully um, so long may that last so I have collected some seeds and you said that you were going to do a trial this year I've started, you started. So, yeah, look at those yeah. I can see those little yeah. wow they have so come I've got up. them in root trainers I'll bring them over to you so so there we are. So these are kind of, you can use loo rolls and you can use newspaper pots. And when we were in lockdown and I was really late with all of my sweet peas, um, that's what I did. But I found they dried out really quickly. But a friend of mine gave me a tip and said, actually, if you put your um, loo rolls or whatever, those, you know, cardboard uh, inner circles in, mm -hmm. in loo rolls or kitchen roll or whatever, or the, the newspaper pots that you can make. Yeah. If you yeah. put them into a bigger plastic pot, they tend to be moister. Okay. So which I think, keep, yeah. it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So that's a good idea. But I've bought these root trainers and they are plastic, but I will continue using these. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I pop them in. So, and I can't see anything yet. No. But I'm going to continue to, to sow them. So, And I'm going to also experiment. These I did not soak. And some people like to soak their sweet peas overnight before they sow them. They think it makes the germination rate better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they nick the seed covering as well, oh, just nice. to get them started. But they're perfectly hardy, these. So I've got them now because I was so late with my sweet peas. My machicanas are still flowering. Still haven't got the frost yet. I'm so grateful for them. But I didn't expect to be really collecting my sweet peas in sort of late August, September. Mm. I want them earlier on. Hence this. So the thing is with these now, I don't have a greenhouse. Can't remember if you do or not. I've Claire. got a little sort of lean-to thing with a with a door. But yeah, it's, that's it's, all it's you need small. though, actually. Yeah, just fine. But yeah. I don't. So what I'm going to do with these is they'll be fine of the little bit of frost. But say if we get loads of snow, I'd quite like that actually. Yeah, I? my brother too. <laughs> we need something fun to play. Wouldn't it be great to have <laughs> yeah. snow actually this year? So, yeah. but um, what I what I'm going to do with these is you know those uh, loft boxes, those plastic clear oh, yes. storage boxes with the lid. I'm going to use that as a cloche. That's a good idea. So literally... A cold frame outside. Yeah, like I'll put these yeah. in the bottom of the, of the lid, on the, so I'll turn it upside down, yeah. put them in the lid, and then I can just lift the cloche, you know, the buckety part, the bottom part off. Yeah. And I can just hold it open with a pen or a stick so it just gets some air flowing through. 
I'll give that a go. That's See interesting. That okay, so a double experiment. Experimenting like mad. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm determined. Okay, we'll keep an eye on those. The next thing I'm going to do is on Boxing Day, or as close to Boxing Day as my hangover allows. Yes. <laughs> well, we might all be stuck at home for quite a long time. That's might true, actually. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of seed sowing going yeah. on, for sure, over the next few weeks. And all my annuals, I'm so behind with those, my hardy annuals. Mm. Um, I'm starting those this weekend. I'm just going to sow things like Ami, um, Dorcas, Dara. Um, I have sown some Escholsias already. So those are the lovely orangey poppies that you mm-hmm. get. So, And I'm just getting ahead of those because... Anything that says hardy, if it's an annual, it doesn't mind bouts of cold weather, just not prolonged periods of snow or ice or, you know, but we haven't actually had very many very cold winters for quite a long time. Sadly, actually, because yeah. there's a reason for that. Yeah, but we won't, we won't make ourselves feel low. No, no. So, um, so I'm hoping that I can get ahead of the game because at the start of lockdown this year, having you know spent far too much time out of my garden, I just want to keep this going now. So, and my garden flowering earlier and better than ever before. So, yeah. it's a good idea. Yeah, well, it's something <laughs> lovely, isn't there? When you look out your window and you see these beautiful plants you've grown from seed and you've nurtured and, and they're flowering for you and you just think, oh, let's keep that going as long as we can. But do you know what? I think when you have sown things from seed, you'll put up with them in your borders now far longer than you should mm. because you kind of think, oh, you get all romantic about it. And when I was tearing up, there were still some, a few beans left on my um, beans down in the veg lodge when I took them up took them out um but i just thought i need the space you know yes i'm not going to get romantic about this i did grow these from seed but they're taking space for the next thing that i've grown from seed so and it's the same throughout your borders if you've got nicotiana that's perhaps gone over and you're letting it limp along look at these look at these azinias Mm. so these are going this weekend because they're starting to look ropey i just don't want ropey looking plants in the garden and getting romantic because I've grown them from seed. Well, that's the thing about October as well, because things aren't dying back and you don't really want to see too much of that. Yeah. You want to think about looking forward and what you can plant, like you said, for something to look forward to in the future. So There are some things that look pretty that. when they've kind of gone over. Grasses, for example, mm. asters. There's a, a, quite a lot of herbaceous perennials. But annuals, once they've started to look like, you know, they've been literally dragged through a hedge backwards and they're half dead and brown get rid mm. yeah. <laughs> use the space yeah. for something more interesting that's yeah. what I'd say yeah well I, I, I did I took out some um, I had some French beans that were up a pole in, in my front garden which I, I converted my front garden probably about five six years ago from just a normal lawn and normal borders um, to I dug it up into sort of a veg patch really took a load of the turf out um, it's the best thing I ever did you know it's a lovely space it's a, it's a real sun trap so but it's not massive and yeah you're right when there's no space and the beans aren't going to grow anymore and I needed to put some shallots in yeah um, the more traditional way of doing it is to to um, move around your plants to mm. stop disease yes. and, and there are things like like your beans and your peas that are nitrogen fixers so um, but actually providing you don't just grow the same sort of half dead thing mm. on the same uh, patch of, of your vegetable garden it really isn't kind of depleting it okay and it's I just, tend to keep the seed the, the, um, the roots in 
for the for the the broad beans to I help read fix that. Does so, that work? Or? I don't know. I, I, in fact, it's interesting you say that because um, at the weekend when I was taking up my peas and beans, as we said, um, I did do some research into that oh, because you? you're absolutely right. I was thinking, well, how do they fix nitrogen in the soil? Mm. I know that they do. So, and um, there was a bit of uh, there was a bit of rumpus going on online. So, mm. as some people some people said. Yeah, absolutely. All you need to do is just cut off the plant from above the roots yep. just as it hits ground level and just leave the roots to rot in there. So, but actually, um, and others say there's just absolutely no truth in it. So it doesn't actually make any difference whatsoever. But, um, you know, the, the people that were saying do do that, they were saying plant your cabbages straight on top. So I've got lots of cabbages and brassicas that I thought, well, I'll do exactly that. But by default, I thought, I've got nothing to lose, I'll leave them in. But by default, just untangling the blooming things from their frames, the roots came out oh, anyway. Peas. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. just on my beans. We're putting them back so in again. Thinking, how on earth has all of this growth come from these actually quite little root systems? Yeah. It was quite astounding, actually. So, you know, once I'd, I'd, I'd by accident taken about five or six sort of roots, I just thought... Oh, sod it. I'll just actually take out all the rest. So, But if you've got nothing to lose and they stay in, then why not? Yeah, give it a go. You've got nothing to lose, everything to gain. But there is a kind of uh, a, a different schools of thought on it, like so many things in mm. gardening, you know. It's trial and error, really, isn't it? And, and what works for you, I suppose. I, I also think it's nice to have your own traditions, isn't it? Mm. If that's what mm. you do, mm. or if that's what your dad did or your granddad did, why not keep doing it? Yes. <laughs> it just feels good, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but yeah, my roots are out. Okay, <laughs> mine are in. <laughs> we should compare. We'll see. Yeah, what we have should. you planted on top of your shallots, did well, you I say? Well, I've some shallots. There's still another area where I had some more broad beans that um, I've put... Well, I need to put some green manure on. I haven't done that yet because it's a bit of a bare patch. But I've also done, and it might be a silly thing, but I, this year I had some gorgeous sweet williams that, I, again, I'd planted the year before, didn't do anything. Of course they didn't because they were going to come out the following year. And they flowered beautifully this year. And then they dried mm-hmm. and I collected the seed, yeah. um, which I wasn't planning to do, but I walked by them and I heard this rattle. I thought, oh, gosh, they're ready. I've got a brown paper bag and sort of tipped them in and then I just bonged them in a tray of, of some compost to have see they germinated they, and they have and yeah. they're lovely yeah and this, they've been germinating they, gosh probably about six weeks maybe growth of on them and so I planted them out yeah I don't know if they're too small to survive the winter if I've left it too I don't grow them so I don't know is the honest truth so so but um I don't know if they're hardy annuals but mother nature would have just thrown them on the floor wouldn't Mm, she so mm. quite naturally and and they would come up of their own accord so they survived last winter and then flowered beautifully so exactly so So I think you might get a really good head start on those they're going to be fantastic well I kind of would like to do a bit of a a cutting garden this year which I haven't done but it's something that I I, I'd like to try I, I love flowers i've grown loads of vegetables in my vegetable patch in the front garden but i'm turning parts of it slowly over to more flowers you can um, cut any cut flowers things. as well the thing is mm. and, and i've just been chopping things back from my garden this year which <laughs> is just so strange because i had a sort of a mental block about the flowers stay in the garden i'm not allowed to collect them for inside the house <laughs> so bizarre and I thought, what are you doing, pal? You know, you've grown all of these annual plants that are perfect for cutting. So why don't you start helping yourself to plants out of the flower beds as well and bringing them inside? It's given me so much joy. Yeah. Just the oh, quick yeah. sort of cut, 
chucking a vase. There's no real floral display going on. <laughs> I just throw it in. God, the bouquet's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've got I've got loads of roses, and yeah. I just cut, 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 and whatever colour. I've got loads of different colours because yeah. I do do love roses. I know um, Sarah Raven. Yeah. She has special ways of of um, what do they call them? Processing. When you process your flowers, is what it's called. I, oh, I understand. Where you kind of you cut the stems in certain angles and you sear them in oh, hot yes. water. Okay. And, do you yes. do all of that? No, I've re- I've recently read about that because. Um, I think I probably should have done that in the hydrangeas that I dried. Um, and it keeps, it stops, uh, does it keep the colour? Is that what it does? It keeps the colour of I the flower? I don't do it. <laughs> no, well, I, <laughs> I haven't. Maybe but one I might of our listeners it. will tell us. Oh, it'd be great if you have, yeah, because um, tell us, tell us what it does. Yeah. It sounds like it's quite I think it probably makes them do. last for longer is the reason for it, mm. is they last longer. I have no idea why. Being poured into boiling hot yeah, water, just the bottoms like... of the stems, doesn't sound like it would, but I'm assured that it does by florists that I know. Okay, well, we should I try don't it. do it. No, I don't, but I might try it next year. <laughs> it's just quite nice when they die to get some more, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> if you're growing flowers at home. That's true. <laughs> well, oh. t- talking of roses, I mean, it's coming soon to to bear root season I it suppose is. isn't it starts in November it's coming soon to everything Susan Claire mm. so, isn't it? so what have we got we've got our veg we've done that we've got lots of things growing from seed from there of the winter veg we've got our annuals now our hardy annuals sowing on you've got your bulbs ordered mm-hmm. so and yeah bear root season for roses yeah for shrubs yeah. and for trees yeah very good good time to be planting all of the fruit trees i have in my garden and the roses i bought bare root yeah and, you know it just makes sense it's a, it's it's just it's an easy way to do it it's uh cheap you know, way it's a cheaper it. way to do it yeah and you can also get offers on those as well and nurseries want you to do it as well so when they're supplying in i mean it can be a bit befuddling because they plants come in different sorts of ways don't they they come container grown mm-hmm. so those are your pot plants and um, they've been nurtured on and looked after by a nursery and then you've got root balled so those are the plants that come with a kind of or a ball of root mm-hmm. in soil so and then you usually get some sacking around them and then you get completely bare root where you've got absolutely no soil on them whatsoever yeah it looks like a dead it looks like a dead plant yeah, doesn't it really absolutely they do look like dead mm. plants and and um, but they're not they're just well they're completely asleep and and what's great about nurseries here and abroad on the continent is they will clear their fields at the moment because they want to get in their new seedlings in so so they want to, us to buy all three types of plant and i do a lot um, but the bare roots, they're the absolute cheapest way of doing it. And they're also the quickest way of doing it. But there's mm. very specific ways of planting them. So, and what you need to do is if you've got, imagine your palm in, is a, and your fingers are the roots going down. And often plants will come like that with a stick coming up right from the top of your, the centre of the back of your hand. So you need to make sure that when you're planting those plants, that you're making a sort of little mound for the roots to kind of grasp around. You don't want any air pockets underneath um, the root system between the um, soil and the actual plant itself. So um, so that's super important that you do that. And also making sure that your plants are at the same level as that they would have been growing in the open field. You can usually generally tell that because, you know, the part that's been underground is still dirty. Yes. <laughs> 
bit of a giveaway. <laughs> it's a bit of a giveaway. So, and digging a big hole. And the rule of thumb now is that instead of digging a round hole, is you dig a square hole for your plants. Well, that makes sense when you've got the shape of a spade, really. It's easier it's, to do it. Yeah. But when we were digging okay, round holes that we did for years, what happened was the plants, the roots, they just spiral in that hole. Whereas if you've got a square, it means your plants are having, there's no spiral for them to go around. They've got to force themselves out of your planting okay. hole. So you'll get a healthier plant as well as mm. a result of doing that. So a bit of bone meal, good compost mixed in, a good, nice, deep planting hole, and then make sure that your roots are on top of this little mound at the same level in your garden as they would have been grown in the nursery and lots of water. They do need something just to get their roots going and a good drink. Sometimes they fail, bare root trees, so and shrubs and roses. And, um, and you know, there is a bit of risk. But normally, if you plant them, as soon as you've got them, mm. don't leave them hanging around because a little plant like that, it's rather like a flower that you've cut for one of your vases indoors, just, you know, languishing out of water. So you need to get it in the ground as soon as you can. Yeah, I have made that mistake, actually, because I had a bit of a fail with a, a hedge galeria. I was I was trying to put some bare roots in, and this is going back a couple of years, and put them in, but I did put them in too late. I think they'd been waiting in my garage for a week or so, and I hoped they would be okay, and, and they didn't come up. So I had to wait a whole year, pretty much, to then... Do it again. ...reorder. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's fine. It's lovely. But yeah. they are, they're about a year, a year. Well, actually, no, it was earlier this year. So I put them in quite late. It was, must have been end of February. No, that's fine. Um, that's absolutely towards fine. Towards the end of the Yeah, because the, the bare root season, it runs from about the beginning of November, mm. and it runs until the weather dictates that it has to stop. And it's when the weather starts to warm up, because it's all about the speed that it is um, for the nurseries to get them out of the ground and get them into our gardens before they go into active growth. So if we've got, and we've had a spectacularly warm March, who can forget March this year mm. with the lockdown? It was spectacular weather. So, and people just couldn't, you know, bare root plants then, the season had ended. And right, it was just quite a short dictate Because things were coming into growth at a really, really early point in the, in the year. And yeah, it was a short season for bare root. So mm. we're really dependent on the weather, but providing it's still quite cold, and, you know, we don't have baking sunshine. Yeah. Um, yeah, you should be good. And there's some good places to, to get bare roots from as well, aren't there, really? I mean, yeah. I used to go, I don't know if it's still there. There was a place near Blackmore. Oh, they're great sell, for fruit trees, Yeah, that's they? it, the fruit trees. So I yeah. bought the espalier yeah. trees. that I've got apples and pears from, from yeah. there. Yeah, and stepovers and standards. Yeah, I'd like to do some step. Yeah. I don't know if I've got enough room. But you always need to make sure that you make sure you've got the right rootstock for your fruit trees because... Um, all fruit trees, they're all grafted onto different types of rootstock depending on um, on how, how big you want the plant to get. And people like Blackmore are, are brilliant for giving you advice on that because you could end up with what looks like a tiny, tiny apple tree becoming gigantic oh you know, so, because you've chosen the wrong fruit, wrong, wrong fruit stock. And it is quite, quite a system. Different groups of plants, like apples, would be different from damsons with their rootstock. They'd have different codes. So if you're at all unsure, yeah, we're ask. lucky to have... Yeah, ask, ask. ask. Yeah. And ask. We've got Blackmore locally. What a good idea. One of our listeners, they had a question about roses, didn't they? Yes. So We've had some questions. We love questions. Thank you very much. Do keep sending so, them in. Yeah. We had a question from Polly who 
says I need to plant a rose by my front door for colour and also because my clematis is getting too hot and dry. I live in a 60s red brick semi. I wish it was a lovely flint cottage. <laughs> I don't like pink. The clematis has small red flowers in June and July. What would you suggest? The door is west facing and it gets super hot against the red brick. Oh, so wow. a rose. It just sounds like that's a complete opportunity to get shopping at David Austin or or Peter Beals, doesn't it? It's funny to say that. Oh, have you bought the rose porn? God, I love this book. (laughs) Actually, it's last year's, um, but it's still relevant and it's beautiful. The David Austin rose book. Every every year when it comes through the letterbox, I'll sit with a cup of tea and go through it. Yeah, really nice. For me, if it's red brick, I think red roses yeah. look stunning or white roses but red particularly Tess of the just... Durbervilles all the way for yeah, me well, so. that's what I think have, I you, have you earmarked that? I don't know. <laughs> that would be amazing no oh, look I've, I've earmarked a red rose called Prince's Trust but that's a really good one as well so it's continually flowering it's quite similar to Tess of the Durbervilles okay so um, they're quite interchangeable and um, what's, one, what's good about I'm not sure about the height of that but I know Tess doesn't get too big so okay. it's a climbing rose, but it doesn't, you know, if you don't want to be going for a rambling rose. You want a true climber. And by your front door, you want something that's perpetually flowering as yeah, well. Yeah, you do, absolutely. So, yeah. and yeah. Tess of the Durbervilles, I'm a massive Thomas Hardy fan. You know, <laughs> English at A, a level, you know, and O level. I just love Hardy. So so I've actually got her down there, Tess of the Durbervilles. Oh, okay, okay. And um, she's quite, quite a velvety rose. Um, but lots of pleasure. Mm. I wished I had her by my front door on my brick, actually. I think she'd look better there. Maybe I'll move her. Bare root. Yeah, there you go. Another excuse to buy another. Through this planting season, and then there's a hole for something else down there. (laughs) It's good to do that. So tell me about yours, Prince's Trust. What have you got there? Well, this one actually says it is ideal for... It's a climbing rose, and it's uh, an eye-catching climbing rose. Produces clusters of strongly coloured crimson red flowers with prettily waved petals it has a nice glossy foliage and a light fragrance that's important roses have got to smell haven't they yeah well tess does she's really strongly perfumed Mm. so she might be a winner but the other thing and i can't think of one off the top of my head is is just to have um single roses as well because the doubles and the semi-doubles they're not quite so good for wildlife so pollinating insects they like a nice single open rose so you know so I mean I like Rosa Mutabilis so and because that flower is just perpetually throughout the summer and into autumn that you can still see it's got some flowers on it there and it's got really gorgeous foliage and you can train that as a climber and it's a single so it's really fantastic for wildlife because I know we had another message didn't we from a listener who was keen to know how to introduce wildlife into their gardens it sort of covers off two requests in one sort of flower Mm. one Mm. plant it's interesting you say about about a a single rose because i have a ragosa rose border yeah um lovely god it's gorgeous well that's what's happening right now so it comes up these beautiful and i i do like pink but it comes like very strong pinks uh in the summer and then they turn to these fabulously huge juicy 
hips, like big, like tomatoes, really. Yeah. And they just look stunning this time it's of year. It's fabulous for that. It's great for hedges as well. So, mm, and there are, is, yeah. there are not so many bred varieties of the Rigosa is. There's Hansa, I think it is, and that's a good one. Mm. So, but uh, colourful again. Mm. But those hips are glorious. Yeah. Do the birds eat yours? The, I don't know. I've never seen the birds eat them. I don't know if they're scared by how big they yeah, are. Yeah, they choke they on them. They do tend to... They tend to plop on the ground and get a bit squished. But, um, yeah, hopefully, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I planted it. Yeah. Hopefully they get eaten. That's why, you know, I leave them on there for as, well, as long as they sort of, until they rot, really. There must be loads of things you could do with them. If you, I know you're a busy woman like me, but like rose hip syrup. And, yeah. and there must be loads of things that you can do it's with them. It's a pain there? to do that because I have, have considered that. No, I haven't done it. But it's something you've got to be careful about the little fibres, tiny little hair fibres in the rose hips that you have to sieve um, so you don't drink it because they can irritate your throat. Oh wow. So I have looked into it because yeah. there's, there's an amazing lady called Pam Corbin who's written a fabulous jams and preserves book. Um, it's one of the few Fernie Whittingstall books who knows lovely Right, little, I know, yeah. Books. And in there there's a rose hip syrup recipe. But it's a bit of a process. You've got to be prepared, I think, to go through the process. Oh, it sounds to get like that, that but sourdough it, that everybody has been yeah. doing. Not, I just would yeah. not have the patience. Yeah. So, no, I think probably just leave your just hips enjoy the on hips the for the wildlife. <laughs> oh, be exactly that. <laughs> so, what else is there to do in October? Or have we covered? We've covered quite a lot. Well, I think I'm going to start thinking about frost. Have you got your fleece in? at the moment your horticultural fleece no I haven't I'm not sure what I'd, if I actually need to cover that much actually so, oh, in my garden so what I've got loads of, well I've got I've got my pack choys and things like that and um, and I've got some beetroot as well I thought I'd chance my luck with a bit mm. of beetroot and kale so um, and also what else have I got growing down there some more shard because I've really enjoyed that yeah. this, this summer so I'm going to keep that at the ready and of course I might run out of space with my sewing mammoth marathon of this weekend of hardy annuals. And I just like to keep it just in case we've got prolonged, super low temperatures for a protracted period of time. So, and I'll just chuck it on top. Yeah. So, you know, just as a little bit of an extra kind of insulation and maybe to freak the kids out as well. So... <laughs> <laughs> that someone's done something really bizarre in their garden so <laughs> with this white horticultural fleece it does look odd doesn't it, it when you does, see it out it does it's not the nicest so, looking thing when it's wrapped around the trees but it's necessary but they're your babies aren't they your mm, plants so i just think that you know i just want to be prepared just for everything so i have got acres of it actually okay <laughs> so, and i'll maybe double it over it was really helpful actually this spring when we had a late frost so, and I, you know, I don't know if it helped or hindered me really, but you know, made you feel better. Thing. You're protecting your plants. Yeah, and yeah. if if they're good at the end of it, all's good, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it's a bit of a faff, and you've got to fold it up again. So after you've done it, but it's all good. And I think more than anything, I think we've just got to enjoy this gorgeous autumn, autumn colour, haven't we? Mm. I mean, I love autumn. It is like the leaves, second spring, isn't it? Yeah, and they just seem to kind of fly the foliage don't they just like birds out of the trees it's just so glorious the spectacle of it all we should talk about planting some winter annuals as well shouldn't we so mm. things like you know what have i got over there can you see the ornamental cabbages oh i love them and your little and you yes yeah and your little violas and what else have we got Cyclamens. there Cyclamens. so just to give a little bit of sparkle the ornamental cabbages are really interesting aren't they because <laughs> 
they just they're just happy this time of year and all the way through the winter they get quite they can get quite big can't they and grow up I haven't grown them for years they reminded me I went to the local garden centre just at the weekend and saw them there and they just remind me I lived in London for years and they just reminded me of London window boxes yeah so and I never thought that I would be that girl who would grow ornamental cabbages but (laughs) I am. Well, you've got the purple ones because they come in white as well, aren't they? White yeah. and purple. Oh, it's got to be purple, purple hot, pinky purple. I like the fiery colours. Yeah. It keeps you so, warm. It's a, keeps, it's a nice warm. Makes you warm feel colour. warm, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing those. But just a little pot of little pansies on your table, you know, just as a little bit of a prelude to all your gorgeous snowdrops that you're going to have, mm. and I'm going to have my little iris reticulatus. So we want to keep flat things flowering. Keep us our spirits up during you know what is going to be quite difficult times coming up yeah so and these little flowers they will beam at us and hopefully they'll make us beam at everybody that we meet if we're not wearing our masks yes (laughs) beam with our eyes beam with our eyes (laughs) love it and our flowers (laughs) well it's been great talking to you Amory thanks so much Um, my pleasure again if you have a question you'd like to ask us or you know want us to cover a particular subject do get in touch you can reach us on petersfield 555 500 or email team at shineradio.uk and we'll be back again for November. November. Bonfires. Bonfires. Oh, toffee apples. Lovely. <laughs> Look forward to it. <laughs> Me too. Rise and shine with Petersfield's Shine Radio. Rise and shine. Whatever local information comes in, you'll be the very first to know. You'll feel those ribs expand. Okay, I'm doing it, I'm doing Are it. Are you doing it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, welcome back to Rise and Shine. You're with Alan Cost this morning. What could be better? Good morning, it's good to be with you. I'm Harrison RB. It's the brighter way to start your day in the Petersphere. As long as you're breathing, you're doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, with you, Vicky. <laughs> Rise and Shine, weekday mornings from six, with Petersfield's Shine Radio. I think that's lovely.